It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 657-657 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I have two great conversations lined up for you today. Joining me first will be Doug Sandler. Doug is one of the nice guys in business. In fact, the return on investment, the ROI of being nice in business and sales is what you'll hear us talk about. Following my conversation with Doug is another fun conversation with my partner in crime, Bridget Gleason. Today's topic, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's right, respect. Trust me, I'm not going to sing it. But we're going to talk about the importance of respect in sales. Now, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales and marketing professionals. This feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by more than 250 researchers who continually update contact data and provide account-specific insight to help sales and marketing teams break ahead of the pack. See the product live at discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. Okay, joining me on the first segment on Accelerate this week is Doug Sandler. Doug is the author of the book titled Nice Guys Finish First. He's the co-host of the Nice Guys on Business podcast. And if that weren't enough, he is also CEO and podcastologist. Interesting title at the Turnkey Podcast Company, where they help companies put on their own podcasts. Now, this is Doug's second visit to Accelerate, and our conversation today is an extension to what we discussed on his first trip to Accelerate, meaning what's the return on investment on being nice? What's the ROI on being nice? And if you spend any time on social media, you might think that perhaps being nice is a luxury you can't afford these days. Well, hey, that's definitely not the case, and we're going to dig into that. We'll talk about also how to enhance your professionalism, because how you present yourself, this is all part of your brand of being nice. And as Doug is... Quoting someone saying, if you don't think nice guys finish first, then you don't know where the finish line is. All right, here we go. Doug Sandler, welcome to the show. It is good to be back. You look the same. You look younger. How is that even possible? <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a year, almost exactly a year since we saw each other. Wow. Um, Are you on episode like 1 million yet? Uh, we're, we're closing in on a million very slowly. <laughs> very slowly. Done. But... Uh, yeah, I mean you you as well. I mean a very thriving podcast and and one I enjoy. Love the topic about nice guys in business. You know, it's so funny when I think about that is is you know with all the you know angst and sturm und drang that's out there and sort of the the atmosphere in general about you know our, our polarized society. Is I decided to come up with a a new categorization of people rather than left or right or rather than you know liberal or conservative or democrat GOP, it's, are they a good person or not? Oh, I love that. I love that. Right. I have a, uh, I have a client of mine who, who um, just started doing a, a podcast and his, the name of his podcast is called Day in a Canoe. And the way that his test to determine whether he wants to do business with someone, his name is Nathan, the way that Nathan determines if he wants to do business is, is this someone that I could actually spend a day in a canoe with without either killing or driving him crazy or driving me crazy. And it's such a great, it's such a great barometer for, is this somebody that I actually want to do business business with? Can I spend a day in a canoe with this guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, this idea of people just being nice. I mean, I, I can understand people having different opinions and I think it's important for people to hold different opinions and to be, but we seem to have lost this ability to be civil in our disagreements and not just in politics, but 
you know, trolls are everywhere these days and social media and so on, is that for me, it's like, God, is this person just a good person? You know, I, saw, I, I find all... I find a lot that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. So, okay, so I, I was just going to say what I find really interesting about what you're saying in the direction, and you did mention it just momentarily there, it was talking about technology and social media. I think there is such a huge level of what we perceive as anonymity in social media that oftentimes people will say, uh, my, my band teacher in fifth grade used to say, be sure, be sure that brain is engaged before putting mouth in gear. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You think about what you're about to say because it's going to live forever on social media. But how about, is it just the right thing to say? Can you just filter that so that you're not attacking someone and actually presenting it from a slightly different perspective instead? Yeah. And I, I, to me, again, this not saying anything about a political belief, but, but you know, on social media yesterday, when based on the time you and I are recording this, which is weeks before you people here will actually hear it but there was you know, a national commentator that in a social media tweet made fun of the fact that one of the students from parkland who's one of the the prime spokesperson got rejected from four colleges i mean it's like what to me that was like okay not a good person right i mean if it doesn't matter if you're just a human being you know why why would motivate you to to do that type of thing um and, and how is it even rela- how is it even related? How how does it even fit into? Uh, disagree with what right. they stand for. That's fine, but don't demonize and then denigrate somebody because they didn't get into you know UCLA and Harvard. It's like you know if he had applied after the shooting and today, I'm sure they're probably reaching out to him. Right. Agreed. So, I mean, Agreed. it's just like yeah. Why why can't we just be? Good, because I think this really ties into, I mean, this is normally a sales and marketing show and leadership show. And, you know, there's, there's great ROI on being nice. You wrote a book called Nice Guys Finish First, and your podcast is, you know, The Nice Guys on Business. And it's, to me, this, this is really a, I think something people really have to revisit when they look in the mirror is, is are they just being a good person? I think that, that can take you so far in life if you do that. I think oftentimes having this badge of nice uh, sometimes is seen as a as a sign of of weakness or a sign of someone that can't uh, be sharp or biting. Uh, or you know, if you happen to look in the last couple of weeks or even the last six hundred episodes, every one of our episodes proudly carries the explicit badge. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like we are we are not the pristine proper. Uh, you know, maybe we should be a little bit more, um, have a little bit more couth in some of the things that we say, but we, uh, we look at it and say, being nice is, um, is not a sign of weakness. It's just the personality traits and the styles that we, uh, that we, that we have. Uh, there's a, there's a quote in chapter one of my book, uh, that, um, that, uh, uh, says, um, if you don't think nice guys finish first, then you don't know where the finish line is. And what the reality of it is you just, you know, so many people are just going after this, this unrealistic, um, they're just attacking for the sake of attacking. And we don't spend enough time catching people in the act of doing something right. We don't spend enough time showing gratitude, empathy, compassion, you Mm -hmm. know, the things that are really so important, not just in business, but in life in general. And it's amazing how many things can get tied back to success. If I look back to some of the relationships that I wasn't necessarily the the perfect fit from a business perspective, Mm -hmm. but I had the right personality and style for that customer and vice versa. So oh, absolutely. I, that's part of what's resonating with me because I've spent a lot of time 
recently, you know, interviewing guests and reading their books and so on that are, are talking about happiness and you know, being nice and and just the having empathy and just the ROI on that, you know, for being a genuine human being, uh, is pretty substantial. Yeah, I think um, one of the another um, another guy that I've done a lot of following over the last couple of years is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and you yeah. know he, he has this whole um, uh, program that he did, or this whole part of a, a program they did. What's the ROI of your mother? You know, you really there is no ROI necessarily that's attached that that might have any metrics for being nice. But I can tell you, it makes me be able to put my head on the on the pillow at night and feel right. good about what I have done. Uh, which ultimately affects my attitude, which ultimately affects my performance and my behavior. Hence, my business is run on my attitude. Yeah, well, and, and to that point exactly about your mother is, you know, the example I gave earlier about this public commentator, you know, denigrating this, this 17-year-old kid for not getting into college is a mother, is a woman. She's a mother. Wow, wow. I mean, I mean, it's like, this is your point, and I feel the exact same thing. I still have sayings I always say, always prefaces what my mom taught me. You know, it's like, so this is what she's teaching her sons? I mean, well, yeah. My mom also said you can land a plane 90% correct and still kill everyone on board. So for me, <laughs> it's it's 100% of the time. Like that woman, yeah. she probably has been 90% of the way in in representing her her side or her comments. She probably said the right thing. But, uh, you know, it takes uh, 30 years to build a reputation and one stupid comment to wreck it. Uh, She just happened to not, you know, in my mom's case, the 90-10 rule, she landed that plane and she was one of the 10% that did not land it properly. And she killed everyone on board, meaning she killed her reputation in the process. We just have to be all the time looking the word for the words, hearing the words that we're saying and looking at the actions that we're taking and living those words that we, that we truly feel like in my particular case to be nice. So for me, that's the way it is. Right. Well, and the point you made earlier, and this is, I think really germane to the point we're going to get into here on the show is that, that yeah, one thing's about being nice and being a good person is this is how you build trust, right? We're building relationships, you know, business relationships, buying relationships with our buyers and our customers and you know, part of that aspect of of building trust is for them to have, uh, you know, a sense, a good sense that your motives are are clear, your motives are in the right place. You know, you have some transparency uh, in terms of uh, of your actions and your motives, and your actions and your words are in alignment. And yeah, you know, if they're not, as you said, there are people that get by in life that that are sleazy and so on. But yeah, you know, for for the overwhelming majority of us. You know, these things are hugely important for connecting with another human being. And what's so interesting about what you're saying is it's not just the actions that you uh, that you put forth, but it's those that are in your network and that you hang out with also. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful. You know, we just, before we open up the microphone, we don't have to get into the specifics and, and started chatting, but you know, it is all about, well, if you want to maintain a pristine reputation or a reputation that you think is worthy of doing business with, mm-hmm. if you're talking about business, you need to associate with other people that uh, you feel comfortable doing business with to align yourself uh, with that person that you don't want to spend the day in the canoe with. Right. Uh, then uh, it's challenging because if you don't want to spend a day in a canoe with them, some other people are probably thinking the same thing and they may not want to do business with that person either. Yeah. Or if people are thinking that about us, right? Possibly. So, yeah, real look in the mirror moment. So one of the things you had written recently, which I wanted to delve into, which flows out of this topic being nice and is because to me a lot of the thing about 
being nice, being a good person is is attention to detail. And so you wrote an article about how to four steps to improve your professionalism. And I sort of wanted to go through these because you know it's you feel sometimes that people think that professionalism is like a an outdated concept. And and I really I I don't believe that at all. In fact, I think it's it's one of these things that's becoming even more important, right? As a way to differentiate yourself in crowded, commoditized markets from your competition. Yeah. And especially as more and more you know, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation comes into certainly the buying and selling process. You want to have those opportunities to engage with another individual. Those really become more valuable than they are even today. They're increasingly becoming valuable. So your professionalism really is a, and the things that it embodies really are critical. And I said, becoming more yeah. important in my mind. I would completely agree with you. I just want to make one slight correction just to make sure that we're on the same we're on the same page. I have an amazingly talented group of of people that that uh, that write and provide content for me also. This article does appear and it was it was definitely approved and proofread and made sure it was all right. I did not specifically write the the That's article, fine. but I did agree. I just want to make sure because I want to give everybody on my team the credit that they that they deserve. Right. I well, have who, who wrote it then? Uh, well, it probably was written by either Christopher Morales or someone else on my team, or it was a combination of, di- of right. several people. We have seven people on our team, and I just want to make sure we get the right credit. I did approve of all of the categories. Sure. I would not post something on my site. Well, so, shout uh, out to Christopher Morales. <laughs> so, so the first element discussed in the article about increasing professionalism, improving was to smarten your communications. And the th- thrust being is that, hey, again, this idea about paying attention to detail, easy things, right? I mean, communications, a written communication, email, a text is oftentimes the first interactions you have with a prospective buyer. And we can go through the list of things that, that are just lazy behaviors that undercut what you're trying to, the relationship you're trying to build, the trust you're trying to build. Poor spelling, poor grammar, poor punctuation. Oh, gosh, all um, those things kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Bad use of, you know, bad use of words. And the thing is that this is not, this is not relegated to sales per se. I mean, I'm always amazed when I read, you know, an article online from, it could be on New York Times or Washington Post or ESPN or, you know, somewhere in sort of my browsing pattern where they've got obvious copy editing errors that, that weren't caught. And it's sort of like, okay, are we just sort of accepting this is the way it needs to be, even in you know, high-profile publications? I mean, uh-huh. the fact is, every time you interact with a prospect, they're judging you. And if you're dealing with someone that has you know, attention to detail, that thinks the details are important, maybe you're selling them a mission-critical piece of software, they're going to think less of your ability to meet their needs if, if you know, you're... You're just not paying attention to detail. Well, you just hit it on the head, Andy. What you said was what you're writing is a reflection of who you are. And that's totally 100%. I can forgive a typo or a transposed mm-hmm. letter every once in a while, you know, maybe one, possibly even two per, per email. Nowadays with spell check, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm quite as lenient as I, as I used to be. But um, I did write an article, this was a couple of years ago, called um, Do You Suffer from Tonitis? And tonitis is, is the, are the words that you're expressing in your post or in your text or in your email, is it, is it, as, is it being perceived as you meant to say it? And it's almost like before you hit that send button on that, on that email that is potentially a conflict mm-hmm. or at least a point of contention with the person on the receiving side, 
make sure that you are not personally attacking them. Make sure that you understand that this is, they understand it's just business. Make sure the words that you're using, you've got to go beyond, beyond careful with the words that you're, especially nowadays, uh, with everybody looking very carefully at, is this person judging me? Is this person attacking me? Is this right. going to be something that results in a in a lawsuit, legal department, especially on social media nowadays? Every word that you say needs to be carefully examined. And if you're sloppy about it, so to smarten your communication is definitely a, a step towards increasing your, your level of professionalism. I would wholeheartedly agree with that one as well. Yeah, I like the term used, tonitis, because other than sounding like something you need to use tenactin or something on your feet for, but um, <laughs> is that a couple of things to start coming. One is the tone you talk about. This is, this is really critical for when you think about having the ability to empathize with the buyer or developing your empathetic skills is that you need to hear all of your communications the way the buyer is going to hear them. Just the point you made before is you need to put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, how are, how are they hearing this. And that's a step that, that very few people take. And it t- takes a conscious effort. But the point you made, that, that's, that's really a critical thing. And there's a, uh, there's a, there's a, a hashtag that is actually written right on my computer, right under the, the frame of my Mac. And the, the hashtag reminds me of, of perspective, because as we look through the, the generations, what that hashtag has meant, it's meant a tic-tac-toe board, it's meant a pound sign, it's meant a, a hashtag for, uh, for social mm-hmm. media. Three of them at the end of a press release means end. You use that at a, on an online chess board, it's, it means checkmate. It's a sharp sign in the music world for right. for different people looking at that hashtag. It it all is different perspective. You've constantly got to examine um, what you are saying, the communication, the words that you're using under the hashtag of someone else's perspective to right. really understand and get what they uh, get what they want. Yeah, and sort of lastly on that point about smart and I agree 100 on that. Lastly, is sort of on smart and communications is again back to tonitis is this premature familiarity. And hey, buddy, hey, pal, hey. And I'd written an article within the last couple of years saying, hey, the headline was, hey, I'm not your buddy. Um, <laughs> and again, it's, it's just doing exactly or not doing exactly what you said people need to do, which is how are they receiving this? When I say, hey, pal, um, I don't know, it's just something within me. I've never done that in my entire life or buddy or, or something. I mean, it's just the way I was trained. But even today, it just strikes people wrong. And you just have to be very careful. You have to be extremely careful when you say, and I, and I, and I find myself using this a lot with uh, closer communications with people. I use the word brother. You know, if it's somebody that is my brother, I'm th- I thank you, my brother. And oftentimes, it sometimes is a matter of where I, culturally, where I am from and mm-hmm. who I am, th- that it may be perceived differently from the receiver. It may be received in some cases as a religious connotation where mm-hmm. I don't want it to be received that way. So mm-hmm. when in doubt, error on the safe side, I would just tell you that. Try their first name. Yeah, try their first name. Right? You're right. You're people, right. People enjoy that. You're so another, right. another one in the article that, again, I think some people might perceive as being old-fashioned is about how you dress. Yeah. And it seems sort of, yeah, I, I came of age in my career where we first generation to really make that transition from wearing suits every day to um, you know, wearing jeans and shorts every day. Um, but you see in certain 
cases in certain industries where it actually it feels like it's coming back, you know, dressing up. And again, I think it's dressing to the odd appropriate for the audience. It doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't necessarily mean a three-piece suit, but but dressing nicely is, so I said, sort of coming back, making a little bit of a renaissance. Well, you have to realize that there is no case in which you would dress better than the crowd that you are performing in front of or talking to or meeting with. There is never a case where if you overdress, it will be inappropriate. But there's always a case that if you underdress, it will be inappropriate. So again, er like your error on the side of safe communication, error on the side of overdressing to the audience that you're about to sit uh, in front of. You can always take off a tie. You can always roll up your sleeves. You can mm -hmm. always take off a jacket, but you can't produce a tie, a jacket, or or shirt sleeves if you need to. Yeah, I was given sort of the rule of thumb early in my career is you dress one level better than the people you're meeting with. Yes. And just as a for safety. And you know, I just think it's a good a good rule as you talked about. Is, yeah, maybe if you go into a you know, extremely informal company and you're wearing a three-piece suit and you know, the engineers may say, oh, you know, who is this yo-yo? But um, but rarely happens. You said you can take the tie off. You can say, hey, I didn't understand, so on. But but yeah, just think about one one step above your audience. The only time I would take exception to that rule, and this is only with an extremely limited part of our population, is when you have become an icon or an influencer or your brand is built upon uh, the way sure. that you the way that you look. Again, I'll use Gary Vee as the as the, uh, as the as the Yeah, yeah. If if that is if you're iconic in that uh, in that regard, then I would say it still is a good idea. You certainly would be impressing someone if you were you were dressing based upon their their um, their attendance or their audience. Uh, they would respect that even more so than oh here comes that guy in the black turtleneck. But. Uh, it's never a bad idea to dress, like you said, at or above the level that your uh, that your audience is dressing. Yeah, I worked, I worked at Apple in the early days of Apple, and and we were one day we were hosting. Um, this was right at the time when IBM PC got introduced, and you know Apple. We were panicked about losing corporate business or not being able to get into to get corporate business, and this was you know, well before the Mac, and well, not that too far advanced, but the Mac wasn't in existence at that time, but. Actually, what we were doing is we were holding uh, sneak previews for large corporations to come in and see the Mac and what was called the Lisa, which was sort of the upscale Mac. And uh, one day, a friend of mine who had responsibility for that had the IT manager, or IT vice president of uh, Amoco, you know, Chevron of Illinois, or Standard Oil of Illinois at that time, and come in. And he was going to see these things under you know, deep non-disclosure. And we got about halfway into the meeting that's going you know reasonably well and the guy was pretty skeptical about apple as, as most companies were at that point we were only you know three four hundred million dollar company at that point and in walks steve jobs with <laughs> cut off blue jean shorts and a tank, <laughs> and a and a tank top. and he had dressed that way to come meet this guy who was in his three-piece suit you know very conservative guy from chicago who ran it and i'm sure spent multiple billions of dollars a year with IBM. And uh, yeah, he was distinctly unimpressed. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I, I think Steve, in this particular case, built a culture on that uh, on that dress and that style. Well, he, and he learned and improved. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was very stylishly dressed on his, 
His black turtleneck. His black turtleneck, right? Exactly. Yeah. Beyond that, right? Yeah. Exactly. He, he clearly didn't want to wake up and make any decisions about what to wear, and that's that's perfect. I'm sure Gary V and I know others are are similar. So, um, so other things that I thought were were interesting to add to that list about increasing your professionalism was, and we really covered it is is be a good person, be nice, and so for you, what? How do you define nice? Uh, interesting. You, you asked that question. I, I define it as a, as a part of the actions and the habits that I've created for myself every day. And while nice can certainly be things like showing gratitude and catching people in the act of doing something right and having empathy and compassion, I, I define it through many of the actions that I go through. Being a nice um, a nice partner in business means, or a nice person to deal with in business means that I'm returning all of my phone calls, returning my emails, answering all the questions within the emails on time, every time for my appointments without exception, uh, not over delivering and under promising, but instead exceeding expectations every mm-hmm. time and reaching out and communicating. And those uh, to, with the people that are in my life that I haven't on a regular basis, let's say, those five things that I just mentioned uh, are this thing, this, this, um, program that I have called the nice guy 30. Try doing all five of those things, returning your calls, your emails on time, every time, stop over promising and under delivering and communicating with a couple of people a day you haven't communicated with Mm -hmm. in the last 30 days. Those five things done over a period of 30 days will greatly improve the communication and the relationships and the the business in your life. And that's the stuff that I would consider. How do you define the habits of a nice person, those mm-hmm. five habits to me make up being a nice guy. Okay. So let's go through those again. Sure. So number one, uh, re- number one return your phone calls. Wow. It's such a, such a simple one. Revolutionary, right? I, I do keynote speaking all over the country and I say, nothing I'm going to tell you today is going to be rocket science, but I guarantee you if I pulled everybody in this audience and said, do you return every phone call? I guarantee you that most people in this room do not return every phone call. Now, there's some exceptions. It could be things like telemarketing calls or spammy calls. You don't have to return those. Right. But I mean, the thing is that, that increasingly, though, is people, certainly, I'll say in, in millennials, because my kids do this, is, you know, they don't leave voicemails anymore. Yeah, you know, I get I got a snarky text from my daughter if I leave her a voicemail. Um, so... So you see that, but and you see people sort of encouraging that because um, I know an increasing number of people that just fill up their voicemail box and then never they keep it full, so you can't leave a message for them. Well, what I found and what I found happens is so few people nowadays even call me that this first one has been a has been something that I don't have to necessarily um, uh, worry about quite as much. But the next one, which is returning all of your emails, and then the the B to that is making sure you answer all of the questions within mm-hmm. the email that you've mm-hmm. just gotten. Somebody asks you, sends you an email and sends you four questions and you answer two of them. Mm-hmm. That means you have two that are outstanding. And that means that you're leaving yourself open for another email. You may as well. I, I, I have someone that I deal with professionally all the time. I have to bullet point to her the, the questions that I have because the only way that I know I'm going to get responses if I write them out is in bullet point. Because if I do it in paragraphs, she's not going to respond. Well, and that's... That gets back to smartening up your communication. I think that's, <laughs> right, right. But I right. think that's I think that's a key lesson for people to to think about. And I do this is, and I've had people complain about it. Yeah, you know, looks like you hit carriage return after every sentence, and it's like, yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. because just the point that you talked about is, it's like people don't read paragraphs anymore. Right, right. They do in fiction and and so on, but in business communication, they want to be able to scan. 
And if you're in paragraphs, it's harder to scan. So I break things out into, I'll sometimes have multi, multi, multi-sentence paragraphs, but uh, a lot of them are just a single sentence. It makes sense. It makes sense. So returning your calls, returning your emails and answering the questions, that's number, that's number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, number three, again, something that I think that most people unfortunately don't do is uh, be on time every time. Every single time, no matter what. And if you feel like there's going to be any, you know, somebody calls me at 11.05 and says, hey, I'm running late for an 11 o'clock appointment. I realize that because you're not here. But you knew probably 15 minutes before that you weren't going to be here. Just give me the heads up and just send me the text message that says, hey, I'm running late. I apologize. Should we reschedule or are you okay if I run a few minutes late? Exactly. Well, this gets back to one of our mother's stories. Uh, or at least one of my mother's stories is, yeah, that was drilled into me by, by my mom very early in life. And yeah, heaven forbid we were ever late coming home from wherever we were. If we weren't, uh, you know, out with friends at the mall or, or, uh, out on a mm-hmm. date and, you know, this was before cell phones. So yeah, we had to find a phone if we we're going to be late. Uh, and usually that wasn't good enough to to say I'm going to be a few minutes late. Usually it had to be. Yeah, right you had to be on time. Yeah. You had to be on time. And they sort uh, of ran yeah. like Vince Lombardi time. You know, if you remember Vince, uh, coach of Green Bay Packers, the joke was that, you know, he said 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock for him at 10.50. Yeah, on time is late. Yeah. And if you keep, if you think that, then you'll be in good shape. I promise you no one is going to get irritated with you if you are waiting outside the appointment 10 minutes before you get there. Don't pressure that person by showing up a half hour early and sitting there. Just wait, but just do what you need to do to be on time. Yeah. There, this is not an old-fashioned virtue. It, this is something that a lot of these things we're talking about is, is... Timeless, timeless. Well, it's timeless, but it's respecting the other person's time, your buyer's time. If you're in sales and... They ask the customer, I send you an email with four questions. Your answer to, as Doug talked about, A, they're going to be disappointed in your, your ability to live up to commitments to answer questions, but B, they're also, you're saying the signals, I just don't respect your time. And well, and that's that gets, part that of it. communicated very clearly. That's part of the entire process is that if you've started this way, what kind of a person are you going to be to deal with in business? beyond the sale, beyond yeah. when it gets into the support side of things. And you want to be that person that is beyond reproach. I have an agency that represents me in my DJ business. And if I, if I, they get He's a call, the DJ Doug over his <laughs> right shoulder right, there. Right, right there. Right. So no, and I've been in that business for 30 years and I've done 75 to hundred functions a year for the last 30 years, 20 with the same agency. So a couple thousand functions mm-hmm. with this agency. If they get a call from a customer saying, we tried to reach Doug and he didn't return our call. They do not say where well, we're really sorry that Doug didn't return the call. They must. They say you must not have Doug's phone number right because I have never been uh, not returned a phone call. So that's the kind of stuff that that makes for a positive reputation. That's the kind of reputation that you want to have. Um, so return calls, return emails, uh, be on time every time. Mm. Um, next one, next to that little hashtag on my computer is a sign that says set unrealistic expectations and then exceed them. Mm-hmm. Rather than overpromise and underdeliver, every expectation, if you say I'm going to have that proposal to you at 5 p.m. and 5 p.m. comes and goes and you don't, you're again setting false expectations with that customer. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather say I'll have it to you at 5 and actually by noon that day have that, that proposal to them. Right. When you do stuff like that, they start to depend on you to, or they, they trust you, they become loyal to you, they want to do business, not because you have this amazing, great new product, but be, because you actually do what you say that you're going to do. Yeah, you lived up to your commitments. That's what yep. people want. And that is an essential element of building trust is 
And what you want to do in a sales process is when you're building a relationship with a, a customer is you want to have those insert in there, those opportunities to demonstrate your ability to live up to commitments. It's a great test. It's a great test, not only for them to see if you do your job, but for you to prove to them how well you can excel at, at, um, at those things that are needed in order to not only make a sale, but to follow through and support the sale as well. Right. Okay. So last one. Last one, uh, communicate with people on a, on a regular basis you haven't spoken to in the last few weeks, the last 30 days. I had wrote this article for the Huffington Post called 24 Seconds That Will Change Your Life. It's all about sending out two text messages to people that you have not spoken to in the last 30 days. And mm-hmm. what that is demonstrating is your ability to tie those thin threads of relationships into thicker cords, into steel cables, so that over the course of time, you're top of mind aware and what they are sending back to you is a complete telltale sign of the type of person you are. For example, if you send a message out to someone you haven't spoken to in the last 30 days and you get the response, who is this? <laughs> it means you really haven't, you're not a good communicator. If the second response that you get is, is everything okay? It means that you probably only reach out in the event of an emergency and that's not good either. But the, the, the one that you really want to get is the one that said, man, thanks for, thanks for communicating. Thanks for getting back right. to me. Or thanks for sharing. I'm glad that you, you reached out to me. Those are the kind of things, those feel-good moments, as my son would call it, it gets them right in the fields. Those are the moments that you're looking for to build better relationships with people because as the subtitle of my book, Nice Guys Finish First, will say, better relationships equal better business. And that is all we're trying to do is better the relationships by those five steps, including that last one, which is better communication with the people in your life. And these are really essential. And there's been sort of interesting quasi pushback from some quarters in the sales blogosphere recently about um, you know the value of relationships and yeah you know, the whole discussion's got gotten muddied but the fact is relationships you know you're not not making friends out of people these are functional relationships that you need to develop in order to have anything happen in the world in business and or even in your personal life so you know when we talk about relationships again these are things that make things have the relationships that make things happen. You know, again, it's not necessarily becoming your buddy or your friend. It's a functional thing. You know, relationship is defined as two things sort of acting together. And it could be two pieces of machinery or it could be two human beings. Um, but there is that relationship and it's undeniable. And things that Doug has talked about in terms of living up to your commitment, exceeding expectations, uh, doing the simple things really make a huge difference. So, uh, Doug, great to talk to you as always. Thanks, Andy. Uh, such a pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited for uh, for this new format of the show. I'm looking forward to. So when any idea when the new format is going to begin? Well, people listening to this, they'll be they'll be listening to it. So with this episode. All right. So you're hearing it roll out. Congratulations on your show and all the Thank successes. You. I'm looking well, forward to hearing you more. And your show, people, if you tell us people about your your podcast before you go. Yeah, feel free to tune in the Nice Guys on Business podcast. We're a five day a week format right now. We do uh, interviews three of the days and me and my co-host just kind of talking, discussing business ideas, everyday life, just two best friends having a conversation about how to do better in this, uh, in this life and how to be nicer. Which is a good thing to talk about. Right? <laughs> we feel so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a good thing to talk about. All right, Doug, great to talk to you. We'll look forward to having you back on soon. Thanks, Andy. Thanks again. Thank you, Doug. Again, that was Doug Sandler, author of the book titled Nice Guys Finish First and co-host of the Nice Guys on Business podcast. Join me next, my fantastic co-host, Bridget Gleason, 
Now, since we've moved our weekly get-togethers from Friday to Wednesday, Bridget has given me the task of coming up with a name for our segment. I mean, it used to be Frontline Fridays, and now that well, on Wednesdays, we need a name that has that, that same alliteration to it that Frontline Fridays had. So, uh, does anybody have any ideas? I mean, she gave me the task of coming up with it, but I could really use your help. So, if you have an idea what we could call our Wednesday segment, then please go ahead and shoot that over to me. I appreciate any support you can provide. Now, today, Bridget and I tackle the topic of respect. You can't command respect. You don't automatically have my respect just because you have a fancy title or vice versa. Respect needs to be earned. And unfortunately, it's so easy in sales to inadvertently communicate to your buyers that you don't respect them, you don't respect their time, their opinion, and so on. Even if that was not your intent. I mean, every time your buyer receives a sales email where they don't even make a pretense, the sender, right, doesn't even make a pretense of having done even the slightest amount of research on the buyer beforehand, then the buyer feels like you don't respect their time. And if that's the first impression you're making on them, then that's a really hard place to recover from. You may never get a second opportunity. So we're going to talk about this importance of respect. Bridget, how are you doing? Andy, I'm doing super, super fantastic. It has to be super fantastic. fantastic. Super, yes. No complaints. Um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned last time, we had a great quarter. We're starting off on a new one. I know that these don't definitely, these don't coincide exactly with uh, when they're aired, but it feels good to get, uh, have a good one behind us and have a good start to fresh quarter. So feeling good about things. Yeah. Yeah. So did you uh, get your run in this morning? Uh did uh, is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> Just wanted uh, to see. Does it does it snow in Boston in April? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, yes I did get my run in, and you? Uh, I'm going to be hopping on the the Peloton here before too long. Getting my bike ride in for today. That's nice. That's nice. I'm not an end of the day athlete. Like I like to do it in the morning. Have it done. Um. Yeah, end of the day doesn't work. I won't do it. I get yeah. lazy. I think I'm lazy at heart. Yeah, I, I normally try to get it done in the morning, but uh, some days, eh, just sort of works out. But yeah, I'm trying to, um, um, trying to have a sort of streak of how many days in a row I can be on the bike. Because um, yeah, we just had our we just did our bike training camp. My wife and I last last month, and we're at the tail end of last month, and so you know, I've got the the bike bug again, because yeah, I don't oftentimes oh, yeah. get. Yeah, I oftentimes don't get seven days where I can seven days in a row I can go out and go do long rides, and so yeah, yeah, trying to maintain sort of that level of fitness uh, in winter in New York is not not always easy on the bike. But yeah, the Peloton bike, gosh, I'm in love with it. Recommend people check it out if they like the idea of uh, riding indoors and staying staying in touch with their bike during winter. I've I've heard so many people talk about it. The one piece of exercise equipment I've owned in my life that I can say that I've more than gotten my money out of. You know, unlike most of the treadmills and ordinary stationary bikes and so on that just sort of sat in a corner <laughs> after a while. Uh, yeah, this one gets used. Oh, yeah. Both my wife and I use it a lot. So I think I'm on my... I'm one away. I think I'm at ride 199 or something like that. So almost one more for my 200th ride. That's great. Yeah. 
yeah, it's great. I mean, it's I said, it's it's uh, come down off the thrill and excitement of uh, doing a lot of big bike rides and get back at least you can spin your legs. So, um, yeah, we'd had a challenge. You'd challenge me, and I, we'd sort of have to talk about is so since the show no longer airs on Friday. So people could be listening uh, to it on Friday, but know, it's released really on Wednesdays. Like the, I know. I really like the Frontline Friday. Okay, yeah. Here's the challenge. What is it? So we both agreed we like the alliteration of Frontline Friday. Is what uh, <laughs> what can we say about Wednesdays? Okay, and did you look up some? Well, you had said what are the synonyms for fantastic, and yeah, they're not very good. There's weird, whimsical, and wacky. Weird Wednesday, whimsical, wacky. I'm going to think about it. Okay. I'm going to think about it because okay. I think you need a good one. All right. Well, that can be your assignment for a future episode. Is, is... And, and what I need is assignments. <laughs> Just what you need is more work. That's what I need. Well, this yeah. one doesn't have a strict deadline, so I think you're in good shape. All right. Good. So a topic I want to talk about today was, was is this... An, guess has come up a lot recently in the in the news and you know sort of filters and everything we do is is this idea of respect and um i started thinking about it because right after the the parkland shootings the unfortunate events in florida mm. is there some commentator at some news network they'll go unnamed took offense with the way the parkland students sort of confronted marco rubio and said hey what are you gonna do about this issue and this commentator sent out a tweet saying, you know, parents, what would you do if your children lecture and ridicule a U.S. senator? And, and a very conservative commentator respond, responded back uh, with another tweet. Uh, I'd get a bumper sticker on my car that said, proud parent. And, mm. and it got me to think about this whole idea is that, you know, just because someone is a senator or, you know, an elected official – yeah, does that automatically mean they're they're due our respect? And we're going to get this, we're going to follow this trail into sales. Because yeah, I remember early on in my life, my things your parents taught you, things my mother taught me is you know, is you can't demand respect. You yeah, it needs to be earned. Um, and it's like well, okay, I start looking then into sales and saying all these instances where this idea of respecting the people we're dealing with seems to go out the window. And, you know, I see this in the context of interactions. Like, I receive dozens of emails every day from sales reps, as I'm sure you do, and others do. And, and I'll admit, I put my name on, on lists deliberately in order to experience what sales is like from the customer perspective. But it seems like a lot of the behaviors we engage in sort of have this sort of lack of respect for the time the sometimes even the intelligence of the buyers. And so it's, and I was just wondering, yeah, I think this is, this is to some degree a change. This happened over, you know, a matter of years because technology's enabled certain ways of, of outreaching to customers that we didn't have before. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, do you sort of get the sense there's sort of like a, I don't know, a, a diminishment of the respect that, that sellers have for buyers and that it sort of gets communicated to the buyers and it's yeah, making their task harder. It's funny. I think that I hear more about 
sellers or um, sellers feeling like buyers don't respect them. Oh yeah, it goes both ways for sure. I was just starting. I was going to get to that. Yeah. I was just starting on this one. Yeah, Sorry. and I was just and I it just makes me wonder if it's not this unvirtuous cycle, you know that that not I I think so. I'm coming at it just from the other angle of of a seller not feeling respected, or that that the buyer feels that they have anything a value to add that sets up a, bi- a bad dynamic mm-hmm. and i think also i know as a buyer i feel very disres- like disrespected or frustrated when for example i am and maybe it's more in customer customer service is an example but it also happens in sales when i feel like the seller hasn't done the research or taken the time to know, like review what I'm looking for. Like when I've already given it, when I, I, I feel like they don't value my, my time or they don't take me seriously. So I think it, I don't know if this is a pervasive trend, but I definitely, I've seen it and experienced it. Yeah. I just well. wonder for frustrating. Yeah. I just wonder for building this into sort of basic, uh, basic sales behavior in a way that that makes the task you know unnecessarily difficult. I mean, I, I got an email this week from CEO of a company, relatively new company, uh, software company, and it was a a pitch to uh, include some mention of their company's product in an upcoming blog post that I was going to write. Now, the thing that was funny is you know, the first line was, oh, really enjoy your blog and all the comments you make and da-da-da-da-da. Well, maybe as you know, I don't, I don't blog very frequently <laughs> these days. I have this podcast. And yeah, I mean, I've produced, yeah, we've produced well over 650 of these so far. So I was like, okay, well, somehow you knew that I was a quote-unquote thought leader, but hadn't bothered to do the research, or I'm sure his marketing department had put this together or something. To say, or to understand that as you know, podcaster, a pretty big audience for the podcast, and a you know, big social following, <laughs> and just completely blew it. That's like, you know, if you want to, and I sent him a nice email back. I said, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I get the point that this was an email blast, but. Um, yeah, I'm interested in your product. It looks kind of interesting. I said, so, but, you know, just doing this type of emails, I, I use the word, that's, that's kind of lazy selling. I said, yeah, if you'd like to research me and write back with a, a pitch about being on my show, let me know. And having her back. <laughs> that's good, though. I think it's good that you you called it out. Yeah, because it was just, it was, <laughs> I think, showed off you know, lack of respect for the receiver of the email. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one that has similar reaction to that type of thing. And and it's like, why do something so counterproductive? You know, if you wanted nobody to respond to it, fine. But as I said, I, I get every day I get a handful of pitches from people to wanting to be on my my podcast. And the ones that stand out are the ones that would stand out if they're a great email from an SDR. They're clearly been personalized. There have been a level of research done that showed that they, you know, were familiar with who I was. And yeah, open my eyes and I'd, I'd read it. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's important. It's it's. I think it's really important in any in any human interaction that we you know this this showing respect for someone's time and who they are. It may look differently, but I think it's. I think sometimes sales, we forget that it, it just, it boils down to uh, one human and another human. And the more, I, I just think people who are respectful and have just sort of a natural uh, curiosity also, we've talked about before, but, but feel that it's, it's, you've got uh, someone else who you're interacting with, whose time is valuable what they're interested in is valuable. This process that they're kind of undergoing is they're doing their evaluation are valuable. And you just start off with a better sort of tone. If, if you enter into every conversation and interaction, being mindful of that. I think um, I've seen those reps who just end up having better results. You can feel it. You can sense it. You don't even have to say it. You, you can just tell by the tone that this is somebody who um, is genuinely interested, wants the right thing for me. That's a good feeling. What I think that what I sense about it is that take from it is that these are people who care, right? Right. I mean, if and I think that's that's an aspect of of respect that that people don't think enough about is that it's demonstrating that you're caring. You know, if you send an email and you've got you know, three different fonts in it, or you've got these obvious spelling errors or grammatical errors. Yeah, you're communicating this idea that you don't you don't really care. And if you don't care, then why are you wasting my time by by sending this to me? Or, you know, saying that from the voice of the buyer. Because um, it, it does make a difference. And so I think that that, and it's like uh, the over-familiarity that we see on calls, mostly from guys. I don't know why it's a guy thing versus... Versus male versus female, but you know, using the buddy or the pal, you know, I, I never have a, a woman calling me, a salesperson calling me, saying, you know, pal, <laughs> but but that that sort of undue familiarity again is is I understand sort of a nervous tick people have, <clears throat> but does sort of show that a lack of caring for not monitoring that when you're talking about it. That's funny. I was just thinking, do I, it, maybe women have something similar that they do, but you're right. There is, can be that familiarity, with, you know, guys, how you do it. And sometimes they'll do it, do it. Um, they will say it, but it would also be directed to women. It comes across a little bit differently, but it's, it's sort of a funny thing. Well, is there something similar? I mean, I, I, Granted, you know, the vast majority of uh, the sales outreach I get, the one on the phone, is, is, are with males, right? That's just sort of the unfortunate division of the, of the labor pool in sales. But are there, are there verbal, <laughs> verbal uh, ticks like that, that that women have? My guess is there are. I'm just trying to think of, you know, there's, there's fewer of us to to pay attention to like I even think about in the office we have we have females in the office but they're uh, more men I'm sure there are things that we maybe they're not as pronounced well, it's not like a waitress at a diner calling you honey no I've had one one 
female salesperson called me honey. Um, it wasn't in, wasn't in tech. It, it was uh, I forget what it was. Might have been banking or something. I don't know. It's some, but um, very rare. I think where I I would say that I see it shows up is sometimes I'll help uh, sales reps write emails or they'll they'll come to me to ask for editing and there are times when I'll say okay let me drive let me drive and I'll write the email and I'll say I'm just going to write it and then you make it yours mm-hmm. and when you read my version my version sounds like one big exclamation point it reads like an exclamation point <laughs> and smiley face and it's hi this is Bridget and, and they read it and say, I would never say it that way. I said, that's why I'm telling you to edit it. So I guess I see more of the differences when I think about writing styles. Well, I see well, them being very different. But an interesting point is maybe they should, right? I mean, I think, I think that's one of the things that, that maybe male salespeople could learn is, is maybe they should just send it. I mean, I think there's sensitivity thinking like, yeah, that sounds too much like a woman. I would never say that. And I just think that's BS. I mean, it's it's if it's professional or not, try it. Yeah, try it. Yeah, and I think sometimes they do try it, but sometimes it's just so clearly like you can tell this is written by a different person. It just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have their voice. So I, I think there's a, there's a balance between trying something new and feeling and being inauthentic. I think sure. if it if it feels like, yeah, I'm going to try it. I don't normally communicate that way, but I I agree with that sentiment, or I feel that way, or that that feels still authentic to me, even though I don't tend to write that way. Um, I I think that's I would say I would say give that a shot. Yeah, no, I was just urging salespeople is get out of the comfort zone. Like a previous, get out of the comfort zone. We talked in the previous episode is right. is. Unless what you're doing is knocking it out of the park every time, right? Your email is just converting at such a high rate. You think there's nothing you can learn, which right. I suspect there are very few that way. Is try something like this. Yeah, sometimes, this, especially when we're younger in our career, this quote-unquote voice we think we've developed that is authentic to us is, you know, it's like we're like, I'd use the analogy like, you know, adolescent boys whose voice is still developing, right? And it cracks and it's what it is today isn't what it's going to end up to be. So experiment. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And see what comes back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We sort of got off track, but but still good stuff. So um, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. Well. (laughs) All right. So Bridget, as always, fantastic to talk with you. And we will be back next week. Looking forward to it, Andy. Have a great one. Enjoy New York. Uh, yeah, on my way to San Diego tomorrow. So, okay, escaping. All right, all, all right. right. Talk to you next Enjoy week. Enjoy that. Okay. Okay, friends. That was Accelerate for this week. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guests Doug Sandler and my friend Bridget Gleason. Join me again next week as I welcome Alan Adamson to Accelerate. Alan is the author of an interesting book titled Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. It's really a fascinating look at the challenges involved with staying relevant to your buyers in an era of rapid and unceasing change. And of course, no Accelerate would be complete without a contribution from Bridget. And as always, she'll be joining me for our weekly conversation. So be sure to join me then. Thanks again to our sponsor, Discover Org, for their ongoing support of Accelerate. 
And thank you again for joining me. Until next week, good selling, everyone.